Today's message is not a Father's Day message per se. We're staying in week nine. Well, I guess the title is a Father's Day title. We're staying, we're in week 19, and today's in our Dirt Row series. You're about to see the unveiling of the title of the sermon, and that is All-You-Can-Eat Seafood Buffet. All right, that's the title of today's sermon. We are in Mark chapter 6. If you want to turn there, we are in our 19th Sunday in the book of Mark. It doesn't feel like 19 weeks to me. I don't know if it does to you when it starts, you know, I'm still good. I'm still rolling. We're in, we're in the sixth chapter of this book. That is the way we do it, folks. We preach through books of the Bible. Um, we open it up. We start at the beginning of a book and we close it out at the end of the book. And I'm excited about it. I already know where I'm going next in a year when we complete uh, Mark. I know where I'm going. We're going to 1 John. I'm ready. All right, but we're still in Mark chapter 6 for right now. Um, as you can imagine, the context, as we have preached through this book, we kind of uh, know where we are, and we know that we just completed, in chronological order, Jesus sending his 12 disciples on a short-term missions trip. He sent them out, and he said, I'm going to give you power, I'm going to give you my presence with, with you, and I want you to go out, not by yourself, I'm going to send you two by two, and I want you to go out and I want you to present the gospel to people. I want you to perform miracles in my name. I'm going to give you power over demons, and I'm going to give you power to heal. And he gave them those supernatural powers, and they, they went out on their short-term missions trip. He then ends it with a warning, hey, if they, don't, if they don't listen to you, just dust your feet off at the doorstep and move on. Move on. By the way, we believe that is the nature of God, the nature of Jesus. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to force you. Uh, he's not going to put a gun to your head. He's going to give you the truth, and He's going to let you deal with the truth. And He's going to let you accept that truth or reject that truth. And He's going to brush His feet off, and He's going to move on to the next person. And so I believe that that is kind of the nature and character of God, and I'm thankful that it is. Uh, Mark, as he is being dictated and told these stories by the Apostle Peter then uh, takes a segment of the, of the chapter in verses 14 through 29, and he, he gives the story and the telling of John the Baptist being martyred, uh, his head cut off uh, by, by the king um, for the sake of the gospel. And so we, we, we ended last week with a solemn warning that all over the world there are churches that meet underground and quietly, who have the danger of dying or being killed for their faith. That's a reality that we, in our Western culture in America here, we don't really grasp or understand that. Um, and I think if we did, we would live and have our being as a church a little differently. Nevertheless, we arrive at our text today in Mark chapter 30, fresh off of that reality of, listen, some people are going to accept Jesus. Some people are going to reject Jesus. And listen, some people die for Jesus. Some people have been martyred, as is recorded in Fox's Book of Martyrs and other places, uh, for their belief in Jesus. And so we pick up in verse 30 of Mark chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be here on the screen, on an app on your phone, whatever you'd like. But Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, when the apostles gathered to Jesus and 
told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Uh, by the way, verse 30 says, so what that is telling us is that they're back from their short-term mission trip. Okay, they went away earlier in the chapter, two by two, so six teams. Now they're back, okay? Verse 31, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves. I got you, Kristen. Uh, I just had to pop up to show the Wi-Fi password. I got you. All right, so anyway, um, usually my, my iPad's not connected. It's all good. Um, so, sorry, I have, I have ADHD really bad, evidently. So, <laughs> he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and by themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he, Jesus, said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks and hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus, speak through your word. Holy Spirit, work in our church today. Amen. I want to jump right in this morning. I want us to notice some important truths about our text today. I believe that many of us would recognize the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and, and two fish. I believe we all know this story intellectually, but I want us to understand its value uh, in our text today. The first thing I want us to see this morning is the value of rest. The value of rest. Now, if, if we didn't preach through the book of the Bible, the book of Mark, we would probably skip over this because it wouldn't hold the context that we know now. We know that Jesus and his disciples have been going full-fledged. We know they've been traveling. We know they've been at the water going back and forth. We know that they came inland to Nazareth. We, we know that they've been going and going and going. We know because of context that, that the disciples had just been sent out two by two on their missions team. And so we know that this matters. 
Because in verse 30, when the apostles gathered to Jesus, they told Him all things, what they had done, what they had taught. <coughs> he tells them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Amen. Anybody been there in your life where you need somebody and maybe you need Jesus to audibly tell you, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. They were so busy. I've never been that busy that I forgot to eat. But these people were so busy coming and going that they neglected to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. I don't know about you, but I have been guilty of going on vacation. I'm not sure what just happened over there, but hey, sure it was good. Did you think it was Randall? Oh, <laughs> similar hair color. I mean, I get it. So, I have been guilty this morning, not this morning, but I've been guilty in the past. And how many would raise your hand uh, acknowledging you have been the same? You've been guilty of going on a vacation and being so stressed and having so much planned and all this stuff to do on vacation that when you return from vacation, you are more tired than when you left. Anybody, anybody would raise your hand and be honest. All right, good. I know, I know we're not in an auditorium, but we still are in church. You've got to be honest, all right? When you leave, you don't have to... You know when we say that, we're implying that when you're not at church, you can just lie all the time, right? You can't lie in church. Does that mean I can lie when I'm not in church? But anyway, I have been guilty of that. I have been guilty in the past of saying, listen, girls, we have saved all year for this, our first ever Disney vacation. I remember it. I'll never forget our first ever Disney vacation. And we have saved, and we are prepared, and we have all this money that we've given these people, and we're going to go, and we are going to get there an hour before the park opens, and we are closing that puppy down. We're watching the fireworks, and we're just going to, we're going to make them ask us to leave at the end. And we have done that, and we've woken up, and we get back to our room, and we check our phones, and we realize we've walked 10.8 miles in one day or more and we've done that for all four parks and then we're like oh this vacation's longer so we're gonna go back to three of the parks and we're staying seven days and we get home and I am infinitely more worn out and tired than when I went on my vacation I've been there I've also been there in a lot more serious condition where I have pushed myself physically and spiritually and emotionally. I've pushed myself and I've pushed myself. And I've gotten to a point where if I didn't come aside by myself to a deserted place and rest a while... I don't know if I would have made biblical, godly decisions as a follower of Jesus. This morning, over and over again, 
not just for the disciples who are just like you and I, but for Jesus Himself we will see as we continue in His life that in His humanity, in His physical body, He needed and His disciples needed rest. They needed seasons of rest. And for some of you, that goes against the way you were raised. For some of you, that pushes against your, your being. For some of you, it was, man, we, don't, we go. And, and I only get X amount of vacation a year. And we roll and we don't, we don't take those days off. And we don't come aside and we don't rest because we are men. Maybe this is a Father's Day sermon. Because we're men. And may I say today that the manliest of men, the hardest of workers, need to come aside by themselves to a deserted place and rest a while. I do love this in the text, though. It wasn't just that Jesus, He didn't immediately tell them to go rest. What happened the very first thing? They told Jesus about what had happened on their trip. Part of rest this morning, I believe, is sharing the wins and sharing the victories and taking some time after you've worked hard and after you've had seasons in your life where you've gone 150%, that you take some time and you acknowledge what God did, whether it be in your job or whether it be in your family or whether it be through the, the church here and, and ministries that you're involved in. But they took time to rest. So they took time, number one, to share wins. They took time to share wins. They told him all things, what they had done and what they had taught. Every time that a ministry team of ours meets together, um, just recently it was our kids' volunteers, uh, we always, in fact, I try to make a habit of this in our elder meetings. We begin our elder meetings with, hey guys, let's share wins. What's, what has taken place since the last time we met? What are some positive events that have taken place in people's lives since the last time we met that is healthy, that is restful? But not only do they take time to share wins, but they take time to rest for ministry. For them, being with Jesus was, was part of their rest, and I won't go into that this morning, but that is also where we find true rest is in Him. But this morning you were looking at a pastor who appreciates when people in our church who serve and give and, and, and exert themselves physically and emotionally and spiritually. You're looking at a pastor who appreciates when those people can get away for a break. I appreciate it. And I enjoy the fact that today, Tim, who leads our worship every Sunday, is able to be away and be at another church up in Ohio and not have to get here early and lead and not have to think through those things and he can get away and have a, have a breather this morning. I'm, I'm for those things. In fact, if I'm, if I'm smart and I think if I'm biblical as a pastor, I realize if I want this group of people in our church to still be this group of people in our church plus whoever God's going to send five years from now, man, we better get just as good at resting and coming apart as we are putting it all in, right? I want us to put it all in. In fact, this week we had some men come, spent seven hours here on Thursday, spent another four hours here 
on Friday uh, getting a stage put together. We've had men that have been upstairs tearing out rooms and tearing out walls and getting us prepared. We've had some people that have been giving and giving of their time. But listen, just as important as that, it's taking a break. It's taking a breather, a refresher. It is spiritual. It is physical. It is emotional. There is value this morning and rest. Value this morning and rest. But I want us to see, secondly, that there's value in compassion. The value of compassion this morning, as we speak of our seafood buffet that's about to happen. Verse 33, But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. This morning, we see the compassion of Jesus. In fact, we have seen it before. We will see it again, that Jesus is moved with compassion. As we think of that, I, I look inside my life and I look inside my heart and I acknowledge and think of the times when, when I'm not moved to compassion, when I'm moved to ignore when I'm moved to criticize, when I'm moved to, to acknowledge and turn away. Under the value of compassion this morning, I want us to see, take time to look around. Take time to look around. Jesus, when he came out, he saw. He looked. Perhaps this morning one of the greatest realities about Jesus is that He sees us. Jesus comes out, and keep in mind, this is a busy season. Keep in mind, Jesus is trying to get His disciples on a boat so that they can have some time to rest. And He comes out, and He sees them. And this morning, I believe that there is a deep desire, there is a a natural desire in the heart of every single man, woman, and, and teenager in the room this morning that I just want to know that God sees me. I just want to be seen, not for any kind of pride, not for any kind of accolade this morning, but there's something about knowing that right now as I stand here today and I preach God's Word, that the God of the universe sees me. Because I know that as I stand here and I preach God's Word, I know that I need Him to see me now. I need Him to see me this week when I struggle. I need Him to see me later on this month when I struggle some more. I, I believe this morning there's, a, there's an innate desire in our hearts and our lives to just know that our Creator sees us. And let me say this morning that Jesus is always aware. Jesus always sees 
Jesus is always looking. Can I say that again? I'm going to try to teach you a lesson. Jesus always sees. Jesus is always aware. And Jesus is always looking. Okay? I said those. I'm going to say it one more time. And I just want you to hear it and let yourself react inside however you react. Okay? Jesus always sees. Jesus is always aware. And Jesus is always looking. Now, when you hear those statements, if the first thing you think of is, oh, no. Oh, no. This morning, you may be trapped in a less than graceful, a less than gracious relationship with God. Because what we should say is, Jesus always sees. Oh, thank goodness. Jesus always is aware. I need him to be aware. Oh my goodness, because there's so many times when I'm not. Hey, hey, Jesus where's that? Is always looking. I'm so thankful. He already knows. He already knows all the bad. He already knows all the sin. He already knows all the guilt. He already knows all the problems in my life and in my heart. He already sees them. He's aware of them. He's always watching and seeing. This morning, take comfort. Jesus is watching. Take comfort. Jesus sees. Take comfort this morning. He already knows everything about you. I've been hiding this from God. No, you haven't. You've been fooling yourself. You haven't been hiding anything from God. Jesus simply saw. But what did he do? He saw the great multitude. But then he was moved, verse 34, with compassion for them. Because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Jesus didn't just take time to look around. He took time to sympathize and empathize. He took time to sympathize and empathize. This took intentionality. This took an obvious unselfish spirit. Jesus looked around at this multitude of people and he was not moved with anger. He was not bothered by their presence. He was moved with compassion. I hope that I could say the same thing. I don't believe that I could. But I hope that if I was trying to get my, my 12 guys uh, away on a boat, I was trying to get them some rest, that after I turned from that help and I see what we find to be 5,000 men and every other theologian that I know says plus women and children, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion, the sympathy that Jesus can give. And then we know this, the empathy. Jesus can empathize with every single one of us. Jesus, the ultimate others man. The ultimate guy that was not concerned about himself, but was concerned about others. He was moved with compassion. He was emotionally attached 
to these people because he showed them compassion. And may I say this this morning? I believe the gospel, the mission of Jesus, the grace of God that he preached, everything Jesus did, I believe it was spearheaded by his compassion. What else would, what else would push a man to leave heaven and come to earth and, and die for sinners? What else would, would provoke a man to, to leave his perfect home in heaven and come and, and, and not even have a home to to be a, a, a gypsy and, and, and to just go from place to place and not have a, a permanent home and to, to oftentimes not have a place to lay his head. What would, what would compel someone to do that? I believe it was compassion. I believe it was Jesus looking at you and looking at me and, and feeling compassion. Feeling compassion this morning. The value of compassion. May I say, I believe the driving factor in our church this morning, I believe the driving factor in what God wants to do at Keystone Church and, and beyond, the, the driving factor and what should spearhead the mission of Keystone Church is a group of people who are moved with compassion. When we see those that are lost and without Christ, we're moved with compassion. When we see those who stand in need of our help, we are moved with compassion. May that spearhead the mission of our church. When we see uh, maybe a ministry that needs uh, assistance and help within our church, we're moved with compassion. When maybe we see a ministry even outside of the walls of our church that maybe we partner with, we're moved with compassion. So the value of rest we find in this text, the value of compassion we find in this text. And then, lastly this morning, the value of meeting needs. The value of meeting needs. I'm not going to read it this morning for sake of time. But Jesus met their needs. In fact, the only text that I will, the very last statement in, in verse 34, which we've already read, begins this point. He began to teach them many things. Jesus met a need. He met a need. And the first thing He did is He took time this morning to meet spiritual needs. He took time to meet spiritual needs. These people came to Him. He was moved with compassion on the people. And the first thing He did was He sat them down and He began to teach them. This morning, may I say, He didn't sit them down and feed them first. May I say this morning, He didn't sit them down and say, who stands in need of healing? Come up and let's, let's wow everybody. No, He met the spiritual need first. The disciples were in need of rest, and I'm assuming they rested on that boat ride. But as we have seen in the book of Mark, this word, immediately, Jesus is called upon by this large group of people, 5,000 plus, and Jesus again highlights the purpose of His earthly ministry. And He begins to teach them the truth. It was why Jesus came. He came to teach them. Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the truth bearer. Jesus, the theologian. Jesus, the spiritual need giver. He took care of the spiritual 
needs. He met the spiritual needs. But then I want us to understand and notice that He took the time to meet the physical need. We all know the story in, in other Gospels that tells more information. We know the story. They were looking around and Jesus says, Hey, go find some food, man. We're not going to send these people away. We're going to feed them. And Andrew, by the way, who the, he was the bringer of the disciples. Andrew was the one who found his brothers. Andrew's the one who brought this young lad. Andrew was, I would say he was the outreach pastor of the 12 disciples. Andrew finds this little boy. There's a lot that I could uh, say about this, this scenario with this young boy. I'll say it at the end. But he finds this little lad, and he says, what do you got in that lunch bag? What do you got? Is that a Captain America lunchbox? What you got, man? You know? By the way, contrary to what many people think, America's not in the Bible. Pause. Anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. Didn't mean to go there. But they bring this lunch. They say, I, the little boy says, here, I don't, I don't have much. But I'll give you what I've got. Here's my lunch. Whatever Jesus can do with it. And so they bring it to Jesus. And I can imagine the disciples, Jesus saying, okay, how much, how much food did you find? There's a lot of people out there. How many people brought their lunch today? How much food did you find? Can you imagine the disciples? Um, we got one bag. Oh, you have like a big, big bag? No, no, no. We have like one, one little bag. Oh, well, how much is in this bag? Well, there are five loaves of bread and there are two fish. And Jesus simply says, have them sit down. And Jesus blesses the food, begins breaking it and giving it, and it never is empty. It's a literal, all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. How many of you have been to Dirty Myrtle? Y'all think we live in Dirty Durham? Nope, Dirty Myrtle. All right, how many of you have been to Dirty Myrtle and you have eaten at all-you-can-eat seafood? But raise your hand. Don't be shy. The Lord blesses that. All right, there we go. Listen, let me tell you something. You've not seen anything until you see me throw down on some crab legs off of those seafood buffets. Yeah, all right. I mean, we can, we can have a contest. I'm down. I'm in. Whoever. All right, we'll do it. All right. Uh, listen, I don't know about you, man. You throw some seafood in front of me, it's over. I like grilled. I like broiled. I'll do fried. It's not my favorite, but I'll do that. I'll do everything. I will throw it down. I lived in Maryland, and we, I was introduced into, to those like blue crabs and those, the smaller crabs. It's a lot of work for a little bit of meat, but the little bit of meat is really good. Uh, we got into crab cakes and stuff. Man, I'm telling you, all-you-can-eat seafood buffet, $40 for all-you-can-eat. Well worth it. But they sit down. And let me tell you something. Jesus didn't bring them enough to whet their appetite for a little bit. Jesus gives them this fish and this bread and He gives them sufficient and abundant. Jesus gives them enough and He gives them so much more. 
He gives them enough, and then they take up 12 baskets full. Now, this is Josh-ology. I'm going to read into this. It doesn't say here why Jesus allowed that to happen. But I believe, and I'm adding to this, I'm letting you know this, you can disagree. I believe when those disciples sheepishly came to Jesus and said, we've got one little bag, that's all we can find. I believe Jesus was saying, hey man, just watch. Just pay attention. Just pay attention. You got any faith? Just pay attention. Make them sit down. Organize them. Let's pray. And when they get done, Jesus says, I took one bag from 12 of you, and now you're walking away individually with leftovers. A barrel per disciple. Basically, Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you a lesson that I will always provide. I will always supply. You provide the faith. I provide everything Else. I believe it was Jesus teaching the disciples that he is going to take care of them and others abundantly, more than they could imagine. He did not simply meet the need, he extravagantly met the need. Now may I say in closing this morning that a common practice of Jesus and of his followers was to meet both physical and spiritual needs. A common practice of Jesus and his followers was to meet both physical and spiritual needs. And may I say this morning that I am aware of the ditches that are on both sides of this road. And I'm going to address them this morning. One ditch on one side of the road is meeting the physical needs only. There are churches and there are ministries who take care of all the physical needs and all the humanitarian needs that someone could have. And they, they give them things and there's a lot of money poured into things like that. And unfortunately, never one time in handing out those jackets and never one time in serving uh, by, by way of, uh, of orphanages or uh, wells or whatever, all these great things, there's never the connection to Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for you. And the, the first ditch on this meeting physical needs and meeting spiritual needs is to only focus on meeting the physical needs of people. But the other side of the road, the other ditch on the other side of the road is, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, man, I'm cold. Yeah, but let me tell you about Jesus. I'm hungry. Okay, well, shut up, man. Let me tell you about Jesus. And we try to meet their spiritual need. And we completely ignore the physical need. You say, Josh, which one is worse? I, I don't know. What did Jesus say to the one man, the rich guy? How can I inherit the kingdom? Jesus said, go sell all your goods and feed the poor. I don't know which one is worse. All I'm going to say is this. We don't just shout Jesus at people. We give them a jacket. We don't just preach forgiveness. We give food. We don't just preach a sermon. We give them practical supplies. We don't just exhort them. We equip them. 
This is not an either or issue. We should never think either we're going to meet the people's physical needs or we're going to meet their spiritual needs. No, this is a both and command. Does everybody understand? This is a both and command. We as a church want to meet spiritual and physical needs because we feel like that is most like Christ. We want to meet both. And Jesus here meets their spiritual need. He teaches them. He confounds the 500 men and the women and children. He teaches them His theology. He teaches them grace. But He meets their physical need. This is an amazing miracle. It's one that's spoken about and talked about in Sunday school classes and churches all over. The 5,000 plus being fed. But I want to give us some practical applications as we go. Number one, I want us to practically see this. Jesus is emotionally moved by our need of Him. Jesus is not reigning in heaven with no emotion, with no feeling, making dictatorship rulings on people, angry with us. No, Jesus is emotionally moved by us needing Him. May I say this morning, if you're like me and you need Jesus, Jesus is emotionally, spiritually moved to have compassion on me and to have compassion on you. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe whatever you had as a relationship with Him was not real. You don't have a real relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus today. Listen, He emotionally feels. He desires. He's moved with compassion for you this morning. And it's a comfort to know practically that Jesus cares. He cares. What does the song say? Oh, yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Jesus is touched emotionally and moved by our need of Him. Secondly, practically as we go, man, Jesus can take a small bag of groceries and make an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. Man, this is super practical this morning. But it doesn't matter how little you think you have. It doesn't matter how, how small it is that you think you bring to the table. It doesn't matter you don't think you have talent. You don't think you have the abilities. You don't think you have fill-in-the-blank. Jesus can take nothing. And He can make it everything. I, I'm reminded of songs, little is much when God is in it. In fact, God seems to make a whole lot more with the little that we have. He uses the small things of this world to confound those that are wise. Jesus can take a small bag of groceries and make an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. He can take what little you have. He can take it and He can use it. How? Thirdly, practically as we go, Jesus mightily uses those who are simply willing to be used. Hey, young boy, lad, young lass, 
um, as you're in the crowd. <clears throat> hey, we, we need food. Anybody have any food? I got like a Walmart bag. Like, no, nah, man, that's embarrassing. Like, I mean, he's talking about 5,000 people here. Like, I am not raising my hand with a Walmart bag. <laughs> nah, I got a great value tuna up in here. Like, we are not doing this. Nobody likes canned tuna. They act like they do. They really don't. I'm not raising my hand. But Jesus, simply this right here. Hey, it ain't much. It ain't much. But whatever it is, you can use it. You can have it. Let's see what you can do with it, Jesus. Hey, it's the same way with us and with our lives. Hey, don't have much. I can't, I can't play a piano like those do here. I can't sing. I can't, I can't speak or teach. Or, hey, but what you can do, you can give it. You can offer it. And it's incredible what God can do. Some of the greatest pastors and, and speakers that I have ever known about would tell you that they were introverts as a kid they were scared to death in speech class to get up in front of people and, and give a speech about things and God took what little they had and he made it something and then lastly practically as we go God calls us to imitate him and meet the needs of the lost Jesus calls us to imitate him and to meet the needs of the lost there are thousands around us you won't see them today because it's raining this would be a perfect day if it was 78 and sunny outside for me to say when you walk out those doors just look most Sundays we see people some of you I love this some of our families that have kids they stay a little later on Sundays and let the kids play in the park and may I say this this morning that while we do those things, may we focus on the needs of others. May we create conversations with people that we meet out there. May we shine a light in a dark world. May we meet needs. You say, Josh, I just don't know of any needs that need to be met. Well then, come see me. I got something for you. I just don't know how I can... I, I prom I'll help you. I'll point you in the right direction. I promise. This morning we're called to meet needs. As a church, corporately as a body, may we just always be meeting the needs. Meeting the needs. Meeting the needs. You say, Josh, physical needs, yes. Spiritual needs, yes. Both, yes. The needs. We don't need to qualify it. We need to quantify it. The needs are there. Let's meet them. He can take a little and he can make a whole lot. He can take a bag of groceries and make all you can eat seafood buffet with 12 to-go boxes. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.